electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi there, I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. Today on Squawk Pod, a tough hump day for Netflix. It's worst trading day in 17 years, and big investors are taking notice. I can't imagine letting Netflix go. Hope springs eternal. They're going to come up with something, and I'm going to have something to watch 12 episodes of. Politicians down in the Sunshine State are putting pressure on Disney, but it could be Floridians who take the heat. CNBC's Robert Frank. The big worry is the debt. The special district has between $1 to $1.7 billion in bond debt. If this district is eliminated, that debt is transferred to local governments. That could total more than $1,000 per county taxpayer. And one of those politicians, Florida State Representative Randy Fine, insists that the tensions are bigger than any one company. What's changed is by trying to bring California values to Florida, Floridians have said, all right, you're a guest in our state, maybe you don't deserve those special privileges anymore. Those stories plus a hedge fund roundup, the hedge fund caught up in the GameStop drama is making a new bet. And famed short seller Bill Ackman has a play all of his own. He's one of those guys, always tries to swing for the fences. Sometimes it is a grand slam home run, and sometimes he whiffs. It's Thursday, April 21st, 2022, and Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand under by in three, two, one, cue Andrew. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Joe Kernan and Melissa Lee. Becky is off today. Let's show you U.S. equity futures. Communication services, consumer discretionary and technology names. That's what's weaker today. Thanks in part to Netflix. There goes the bell. What just happened with Netflix? It's worth flagging. You just never know when something is done pricing in a tough environment. Yeah, until it smacks in the face like Netflix did today. First up on the podcast today, Netflix's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad Wednesday. The streaming giant closed down 35%, dragging down the Nasdaq and suffering its worst session in more than 17 years. Netflix was just DVD rentals back then, red envelopes, snail mail, and at the time competing mainly with Blockbuster. They've come a long way, but Netflix reported its first subscriber loss in more than a decade and forecast a loss of 2 million subscribers next quarter. The stock's decline lopped more than $50 billion off Netflix's market cap, and it's now down 62% this year, making it the worst performing stock in the S&P 500. Investors are taking notice. Hedge fund giant Bill Ackman dumping his stake in Netflix in a letter to Pershing Square Capital Management shareholders, Ackman saying the loss on Netflix has reduced the firm's year-to-year, year-to-date returns by four percentage points. Some key quotes from that letter, Ackman saying, quote, in light of recent events, we have lost confidence in our ability to predict the company's future prospects with a sufficient degree of certainty. By the way, so is the company. Uh, later, he says, one of our learnings from past mistakes is to act promptly when we discover new information about an investment that is inconsistent with our original thesis. That is why 
We did so here in January. Ackman had disclosed his purchase of about 3 million Netflix shares, uh, which made him a top 20 holder of the stock. But he's one of those guys who I think kind of always tries to swing for the fences. And well, sometimes he hits the ball, and it is a grand slam home run. Right. And sometimes he whiffs. Well, it's funny that you use that baseball analogy with our EP. Is he an EP or a supervisor? He's like everything. He's like a super EP. He's like, he's like a super Guru, mogul. Max, Max Meyer. I, I said that, that. Okay, so Ackman, he's young. He's handsome. He's got the eyelashes. He's, he's, got, more, he's got more money than, you know, just about anybody, really. Um, but... Would he win a batting title? That's, you know what wins a batting title year after year? 335, 340, 345. I, I don't think he would. Would he, would he lead in home runs and grand slams? He could be That's like a the, Babe Ruth kind of guy in that regard. But Babe I don't, Ruth hit for average, too, at times. And he could pitch. But I'm just saying, he, it, what, does he do one out of three? Is he that, he's not even that good, I don't think, in terms of just overall... Average. Well, I can depends, think of so though, many hit, crappy things. Not that, about, I, I don't need someone to tell me that Netflix is worth 600 and the valuation is cheap and be that wrong. Because we sort of have been, why did we not see it? I knew there was nothing to watch, but why didn't I realize that could cause people to say, I'm not paying this anymore if you're going to raise prices. I'm, I'm going to just let this service go. Because I can't imagine mm-hmm. letting Netflix go just because I'm hope springs eternal, they're going to come up with something, and I'm going to have something to watch. Twelve episodes. You don't want to unsign up. I don't want to unsign up, and I want everything because I look around. HBO Max. I'm all. I'm everywhere. I will say I don't think I appreciated it for a different reason, which is I thought that there was just so much money floating around at this moment in time, this sort of YOLO that everyone's right. just buying up these different subscriptions left and right, and they don't know what's. And but, I didn't make sense to me. But it, I mean, by the way, maybe this would be like deflationary. But I said, uh, now they're going of, to bowling uh, alleys and miniature. Price more. What? Yeah. Price There's more. other things to do, so Andrew. So much for pricing power. Right. And the latest pricing. Right. Price. Good thing I got that through. World's opening up again. They're going to miniature golf. It's April, too. Bowling alleys. Bowling alleys are hot. Outdoor er, activities away from the basement are, are going to come back, I think. I mean, we were stuck for a long time. What was the other one I saw recently that, 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 that they said, yeah, that. There's so many times where you see crappy earnings and they said, well, because they, you know, we were really making hay during the pandemic. We will talk about Tesla now, and I yep. should have predicted this too, and I'm gonna tell you why. Because every other car that passes me where I live is not one of the nice ones either. It's one of the little crappy ones. And I, it kind of depresses me because it's like cookie cutters. It's like, oh, there's another one, another one, another one, another crappy Model color. Three. Yeah. Yeah, did I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. But they sold little a little crappy. Of- uh, like, well, if someday every car that goes by is like that and no one's driving, I mean, don't you see how depressing that your the existence is going to be at that point? Everyone's just sitting in a little white Model Three without a steering wheel and accelerator. That's horrible. That's we're being shuttled along. Like we're we're almost just numbers at that point. Do you see? I see. By the way, maybe we, you know when you should have known that it was is working for them? Mm-hmm. The Hertz deal. You know, when I, when I, right. I actually went to Hertz, we got a... Uh, and you liked it. A Tesla. Yeah. At, at the supermarket where I go now, I have to drive around the, the charging stations. And there's always cars at the charging stations. That would make sense, too, while you're shopping at the supermarket. That's why they put them there, Joe. See, I, well, my idea was a Waffle House. You know that. I think that every Waffle House should have a, a charger. Very smart. Got to get the charging stations um, at the bowling alley and the, and the mini golf. <laughs> and the mini miniature golf. Right. That's where like, everyone is going second. now. You don't like miniature golf? I love miniature golf. Who I love miniature like golf it? and bowling. Well, I would say I always thought like the highest. Golf. I always thought the highest 
class, coolest thing, this to me would be like the sign of success. I met somebody once who had a bowling alley in their basement. Yeah. Talk about being in your basement. Yeah. Wow. And had the bowling. I thought they'd made That's it. That's when you made it, yeah. That's when they made it. They had a bowling alley in the basement. Although it's not easy to get good, I don't think, at bowling. Have you ever gotten a 200? No. Me neither. I never By have. the way, the poor man's version of that is to get a ski ball machine in your home. Do you I have that? I, do, I don't, but I've always thought that if I could ever make it. <laughs> we are off. We are so <laughs> off lower the, the bar And here. I'm, not taking, the I'm not taking the rap. From I've got a little a, nerf thing you on the door. No. You participated. Um, this is not my fault. You participated. I, say, I try to stay out of it because I wanted to I'm move I'm getting on. a participation trophy move right now record, as well. Move on. Participation trophy Tesla for all. shares are up 6.7% pre-market. Um, big beats in the quarter. Phil LeBeau joins us now with all the details. Phil. Hey, Melissa, this was the kind of quarter where if you're a Tesla investor, you're saying, yep, this is exactly what we expect from this company. Here are the numbers within the numbers. They beat on the top and the bottom line. And by the way, they beat by a wide margin. This was not just beating by a penny or two. Uh, on the bottom line, they beat by almost a dollar. I think they beat by 98 cents. Automotive gross margin. Look at this. They increased their margins up to 30%. The estimate was for 28.9%. By the way, in the fourth quarter, it was 29.2%. And with regard to production in China, they did talk about that they have restarted it there. It's limited at this point, but they do expect it to accelerate as they come out of those COVID uh, restrictions that are in place in China. Here's Elon Musk talking about his expectations for production this year. Vehicle production in Q2 will be similar to Q1, maybe slightly lower, um, but it's also possible we may pull a rabbit out of the hat and, and be slightly higher, but it's we call it roughly on par. Um, but, uh, then, but then Q3 and Q4 will be substantially higher. So it, it, you know, it, it seems likely that we'll be able to produce uh, over one and a half million cars this year. And as you take a look at shares of Tesla, we should also note that Elon Musk on the call said that the company has an outside shot at increasing deliveries by 60%. So if you take a look at the numbers from last year, it was 936,000 vehicles delivered, increased that by 60%, come out at like 1.497 million approximately. Uh, the estimate that's out there on the street right now is about 1.49. So it's not far off from what the analysts are expecting. And one last note, guys, if you thought that Elon Musk would go a whole conference call including a half hour with analysts asking questions and not mention Twitter, you are correct. Word didn't come up once, not once during the conference call last night. Guys, back to you. That was a surprise to me, Phil, that not one single analyst out there would even ask him about that and whether or not he would use his personal stake in, in, in Tesla to borrow correct. against for the, for the Twitter deal, only because that would in, actually impact shareholders. Um, but the, when you were on the call last night, Correct. Phil, you had mentioned this phrase that was really in interesting to me, and that was that he was never as optimistic as he was about Tesla as at that moment in time. And it struck me as, as really, you know, if he's going to say that, when he has got a free pass to, to throw every single potential headwind out there as a, as a potential reason why they may not hit even 50 percent, mm -hmm. um, that was really bullish. Uh, extremely bullish. Now, look, if you went into this call hoping to get a little more details regarding uh, the acceleration of production in G uh, Germany as well as Austin, you got a little bit of that. 
But you also got vintage Elon. He loves to sit there and say, RoboTaxi's coming, going to show you it next year, and then we're going to go into mass production in 24. We are going to invest more money uh, in the Optimus humanoid robot. We think that that's going to be a bigger business than the auto business. Sort of typical what we've come to expect from him over the last several months. That's what we got a lot of on the call. And to answer Joe's question about the Model 3, the mix actually was, was good in the quarter, and that's partially why the gross margins were so strong. S and X were, were yep. better than analysts had expected. Right. And it's the Model Y, Joe, that's really driving things right now. Now, you may be seeing a lot of Model 3s where you are, but the Model Y is really the accelerator in terms of deliveries here in the U.S. Remember, the production in Austin will be focused on the Model Y. They said originally, we're going to be building the Model Y in Austin for the eastern half of the U.S. It could go anywhere, but that, there's a big wait time right now for a Model Y, and that's where you're going to see deliveries accelerate later this year as uh, Austin gets up to speed. Yeah, I don't see too many of those, thankfully. Uh, Why thankfully? Why thankfully? I don't know. They're just, cool. They look like the Euro, uh, sort of just the tiny little that everybody's had for, for years over there because of $8, $9 gas. So well, let me, let's ask Phil though a design question, Phil. Those vehicles, for the most part, have not had meaningful styling Correct. upgrades no. in a very long time. I'll look for that. Do you mm -hmm. think that they decide yep. they need to do that, have to do that, want to do that? Anytime soon? They give no indication that they plan on doing that anytime soon. Uh, I've talked to anybody in the auto business. It's been this way for more than 100 years. At some point, people start looking around and they go, no, that looks stale. That looks old. If you're Tesla, you do run that risk. Now, you know, the, the Model S and the Model X, I mean, they have tweaked them to a certain extent. But they look very similar to what they looked like seven, eight years ago. Uh, Phil, thank you. The main hedge fund caught on the wrong side of last year's GameStop short squeeze, considering something of a do-over. Our own David Faber reporting that Gabe Plotkin's Melvin Capital has been speaking with investors about a plan under which the firm would return their capital while giving them the right to reinvest that money in what would be a new fund run by Plotkin. <laughs> Stop laughing for a moment. A we can laugh in a moment. When the new fund debuts this summer, yeah, people could put their money back in, but Plotkin wouldn't have to give people back, get people back to even right. on their earlier investment. This Start is about the high water mark before he could earn a performance fee. Now, Melvin was down 39% last year, down at least 21% this year. People familiar with Plotkin's thinking saying he's committed to a returned focus on no, what I was going to say wow. is I have seen this. You've seen again, this movie a hundred times. On Absolutely. American Greed, it usually involves moving to another city and changing your name. No, no, but no. in this in case, funds, you, I, just, you just change it to some that's variation. That's right. I know a different fund. Like always something really? else. Really? So he's never. You know, when you lose sixty percent, you need like hundred and fifty to get. And that's why you can never right. get back. And so he's so shutting like, that thing down, and saying, "I'll start over again." Perfect. It's right. Like I said, do over. Although call Stacy Keach. To be fair, shorting stocks now is a Better, much better environment than when he was. Well, how do you know? Right. Because the Fed is pulling liquidity out of the market. We don't. Nobody knows what's going to happen. But that is rich. That is. That's not going to fly. That's not. Gonna and you know who? You know why? Because it happens again. But you know again who is so happy about this? And then we do a show on it at nine. You know who? So, you know the Schadenfreude is just the the GameStop apes out there. If it, could you call a GameStop person an ape? No, I don't know. Uh, They're just loving this. Loving this. I'm sure. Because this is the trip, you know. I'm sure the AMC apes love this too.
the whole whole because crew. Because they stuck it to the man. They stuck it to the man. They stuck it. But in this case, didn't they? They did stick it to they the man, did. though in a, in a crazy way. Thing. Call me in a couple of years because this guy may have stuck it back. It, it, this guy know, may be right. stucking. I mean, the whole thing is. Everything's in cycles. Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod, drama at Disney, literally at the Disney theme park. Why Florida's lawmakers are rethinking their special treatment to the happiest place on earth. One such lawmaker, Florida State Representative Randy Fine. Why should Disney be able to govern itself when their competitors do not. See, I'm not only in favor of free speech, I'm also in favor of free markets. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with P. Jim, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. This is Squawk Pod. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Joe Kernan and Melissa Lee, who's in for Becky this morning. Florida state lawmakers working to pass three bills in a special session. One that will impact Disney uh, World's special status in the state. We're learning it could hit Florida residents also in a surprising way. And Robert Frank joins us now with more. Good morning, Robert. Good morning, Joe. With a bill that just passed the state Senate in Florida and is headed for the House, would eliminate Disney's special development district in 2023. Legislators saying Disney should not have, quote, special privileges, but removing this district could leave Florida taxpayers with a higher tax bill. So the main benefit that Disney gets from this 55-year-old district is regulatory control. It doesn't have to apply to local governments for building, zoning, and planning permits. It does receive some tax benefits, but it also pays for its own fire, emergency services, sidewalks, roads, sewer, and other infrastructure. Now, local taxpayers would have to start paying for those services, which could mean higher tax bill. Disney is Central Florida's largest taxpayer, paying nearly $300 million in property taxes over five years and over $400 million a year in sales taxes just from ticket sales. But the big worry is the debt. The special district has between $1 to $1.7 billion in bond debt. If this district is eliminated, that debt is transferred to local governments. That could total more than $1,000 per county taxpayer. Now, the bond terms also prevent the state of Florida from, quote, altering or impairing the special district or the rights of bondholders. So, We could end up with a situation where the bondholders could challenge this in court because those covenants are broken. So lots of big financial repercussions here for investors, for taxpayers that we're just now starting to understand. Joe? That is uh, 
Got some wide-ranging uh, impacts. I don't know, but Robert, what, what, what is the likelihood that this actually becomes law and stays this way? What do you think? It's going to become law. I think that's very likely. And then what is also likely way. is that Disney will be able to reapply for the special district in 2023. And if it meets the terms at that point that the governor and legislature finds acceptable, it will then be able to, to sort of restart this district. So we could see a pause or reapplication, but I have no doubt or little doubt that this bill, as it's written now, will pass. And then there's the, uh, where did I see it today? The Iger-Chapik saga continues. How long he survives it? Are there rumors that Iger could come back? He's like a child. He's, he's so young to, to be out of the, like in his, you know, like the beginning of his business Beginning career. of his career. Um, Let's see, 67, 67. Yeah. But joining us right now uh, to continue this conversation, Florida State Representative Randy Fine. He filed the House legislation in the state that would eliminate Disney's self-governing status. He's been in the middle of all of it. Representative Fine, thank you so much for joining us. Happy to be here. Tell us why you filed the legislation to begin with. Well, when Disney kicked the hornet's nest several weeks ago, we started taking a look at special districts and we found that six of them had been created before the Florida Constitution was actually put in place. And they had all sorts of weird things in them. For example, Disney had the right to take land outside of their district. Um, they had the right to build a nuclear power plant without state oversight. They didn't have to follow zoning laws or safety codes. And we said some of these things just don't make sense, not only in Disney, but in five other special districts around the state. Representative, let me ask you this, though. Um, you're conservative. I believe you, you believe in free speech. You've been outspoken about free speech. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, so here, here's, here's the thing that, that's, that's, that I'm trying to reconcile. It appears, and I think even just based on what you've said in terms of kicking the hornet's nest, that this is legislation that really is in retaliation for free speech, no? No, I also believe in free markets. And the state of Florida for 55 years has given Disney special privileges that its competitors down the street don't get. Universal Orlando has three theme parks to Disney's four. They don't get the Jurassic Park Improvement District to regulate themselves. Neither do Legoland or SeaWorld or Busch Gardens. They seem to manage just fine. People have wanted to deal with the special district for decades, but Disney had the political power to prevent it for decades. What's changed is by trying to bring California values to Florida. Floridians have said, all right, you're a guest in our state. Maybe you don't deserve those special privileges anymore. But, but that's why there is to some degree, fair to say, this is retaliation for their speech. Is, is there any other way to look at it in that context? No, I, I absolutely don't think that's fair to say. I think what it is is that a issue that people have wanted to tackle for decades is now possible to be done because, because of something they said. You, you actually said they kicked the hornet's nest, and so then yeah. you started looking into special districts. So it's, it does seem like a cause and effect relationship that they said one thing, and then you then looked at revoking special district status. Is that right? Because oh, that's what you just I, said. I think what we did, well, no, I think what they did is they said, we want to bring California values to Florida. We want to come in and misrepresent laws that the legislature has passed. We actually want to tell Floridians how they should live their life the California way. And Floridians said, we've had enough. You're a guest in our state. 
you you aren't owed these special privileges that your competitors don't have that no other company has in the state of Florida. We're going to take a look at them, but we're not just going after Disney. We're going after every special district, and there are six of them that were created before 1968. When you kick the hornet's nest, sometimes and people look at things, sometimes they identify issues that they didn't know about. In Tallahassee, we're not Washington, D.C. We find a problem, we go and tackle it. Representative, what, what kind of message do you think this sends to other businesses that are thinking about relocating to Florida and to the extent that they would be relying in any instance on certain laws that are in place today, what those laws could potentially look like in the future? Well, we're in good shape. A number of years ago, Florida got out of the business of providing special considerations to companies. We don't do that anymore. This is an artifact of that time where one company in the state is literally allowed to secede from the rest of the state and govern itself. No other company in Florida in any industry has this right. And, and so I think this is something that makes sense to do in general, but because of what the way Disney has behaved, there's now the political will to do it. People have tried to do this before. They've just been unable to. How do you deal with the issue of the cost to taxpayers? This district in particular has one to $1.7 billion in debt that then would get transferred to local governments, which would amount to about $1,000 per taxpayer. Who pays that? How can you make the case that Floridians should, should foot that bill? It's a great question. It's also not true. The Reedy Creek it's Improvement District okay. No, the Reedy Creek Improvement District is a local government right now. So the taxpayers of that district already owe that money. Yes, it would go to other municipal governments in the same place. But the other thing is the revenues go along with it. Disney is taxed by this improvement district. Those taxes are used to pay that debt. Those taxes will continue to be paid. They'll just be paid to Orange and Osceola County instead of this special improvement district. The taxpayers will actually could end up saving money because you've got duplicative services that are being provided by the special district that are already being done by those municipalities. Representative, if Disney could leave Florida, would you be happy? Of course not, and nor will they. But I think it is fair to say, why should Disney be able to govern itself when their competitors do not? See, I'm not only in favor of free speech, I'm also in favor of free markets. And this is crony capitalism of the sort you would see with oligarchs in Russia saying, hey, you're a company, we're going to give right. you perks so, and privileges that your competitors I, it, don't it have. It just so happens that you and I are, are, are in agreement on one thing and, and maybe disagree on the other part, which is that from a policy perspective, I don't disagree with you. It may have been poor policy originally to, to make the agreement. Or by the way, it might have actually been the right policy to bring Disney to Florida at that time. And then the question is, do you hang on to it? I think the, the, the question of this moment is whether it, it appears to be, and it's not an appearance, I think it is, a retaliation for a particular perspective that they have put forth uh, publicly. They're obviously not making the laws themselves in this regard, but clearly folks unhappy simply with what they've said about it. Look, when my 14-year-old wants to go to Disney World, uh, he gets special privileges and he gets on his best behavior to make that happen. Disney has not done this here. And because of that, it's created the political ability to do something that's probably been a bad idea for decades. But because of Disney's political power, they were unable to do that. They've gone out and they've intentionally alienated Floridians 
by misrepresenting legislation that the overwhelming majority of Floridians, including Biden voters, support. They've angered the people who have hosted them in this state. Those people are saying the time for those special privileges is over. You mentioned good behavior, Representative Fine. It sounds like if you invite a business to come do business in your state, that they've got to fall in line with your political views in the state. Did I get that right? No, I don't. But I think if you come and ask for special privileges, if you ask, say, treat us better than you treat our competitors, give us, let us govern ourselves, make us exempt from zoning and safety codes, let us secede from the state then you shouldn't come to those same voters and lie about legislation that those voters support. There is no don't say gay bill in Florida. It doesn't exist. And yet Disney has gone out and said they're going to make it their priority to override the will of the Florida voters. That's not something a good guest does. Representative Fine, uh, we very much appreciate uh, you coming on the program. I imagine this debate is going to continue. We hope to have, uh, have you back and continue this conversation. Thank you so much. Squawk Pod will be right back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Welcome back to Squawk Pod from CNBC. Up and Andrew, Q. Activist investor Carl Icahn calling on ESG-focused Wall Street firms like BlackRock. So, I'm sorry, this is not funny, but Joe said something funny no, during the commercial break, which I we'll do. just leave it alone for now. A lot. But let's it just it, a lot. not so much. But no. Uh, <laughs> anyway, but let's just talk about Carl Icahn because he's Go got ahead. support for this campaign from McDonald's suppliers and to I treat pigs yeah. more humanely. Yep. And we're not laughing about this. No. In an interview with the Wall Street Journal, Icon accused BlackRock and others of cherry picking which issues they care about and which they don't. According to him, that last category includes animal welfare. At issue is the yep. small so-called gestation crates that McDonald's suppliers use to house pregnant pigs. Icon's been pushing McDonald's to get rid of crates for years. He nominated two directors to the company's board. A vote scheduled for next month. Pregnant pigs are at risk from other pigs, so that was the idea. Right. But of the, the crates. But, yeah, but the actual. You can imagine that it's like a coach of an airplane. That, that space is, is at a premium in these places, so there's not a lot of space. And I've said this before. Um, what gets me is that animals are much better than we are, and, and a pig is not much different than a dog. And I don't like the idea. Do you of, eat of a, pork? A, I do, I do, but I okay. Well, these dog. are all pigs that become McRibs. I know, and such. I know, I know, but they're sentient. They're very, I they're wonderful creatures. They're wonderful creatures. I don't know about cows. I guess they are too, but I don't know. I don't have the same relationship. 
with a cow. I know that pigs are really sweet animals when people have them. For pets, and a lot of people do have them. And then dogs are just, you know, German shepherds are like another, they are people, they are, they're amazing. I get teary when I do, I do not, not so much with a lot of people, but I do with, uh, with my teacher. <laughs> Don't give a, yeah. give a crap about the people, yeah, but exactly. the dogs and the pigs. I, Gordon Gekko. Unbelievable. Said, uh, yeah, we talk, <laughs> they're so pure. Um, they are, they're pure. Unlike humans. They're pure, yeah, they're pure. That does it for the podcast today. That's it for us today. Oh, joy. Parting is oh, such joy. Oh, joy. Oh, joy. Oh, are, are you happy now about tomorrow? I'm not here tomorrow. You will be missed. Thanks to Melissa Lee for filling in this week. Squawk Box is usually hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.